ED ECMO, this is Zach Shiner, and I have the privilege today to interview two people that you have heard before. We've got Lionel Lamho from Paris, and we've got Jim Manning out from North Carolina, and they are together in Jim's lab out in North Carolina. Lionel and Jim, how are you guys doing? Well, thank you. It's great to have Lionel here in the, uh, and Alice along with, the, with him to hang out in the lab for a couple of days. And Alice came out and visited us in San Diego um, last year sometime, and it was a pleasure to have her come check us out. We've got to come out to Paris and check you guys out. I know, Jim, you're about to go do that. Is that right? Absolutely. I, they, they fly back on Friday, and uh, I fly back the day after to hang out with him for a week and see how they do it in the field. Wow. Pre-hospital ECMO, Jim Manning is going out there to bring this back to the States. We'll see if that's a possibility. So Jim, you were just, you both you guys were just at AHA. Tell me, ECMO, what's the latest and greatest out there? Well, I'm standing beside the one of the two major presentations on ECMO at the Resuscitation Science Symposium. It's very clear, though, if you look at the abstracts and if you look at the presentations, that, that ECMO in, in medical cardiac arrest is, is, uh, is at the forefront. It's one of the hottest topics. And uh, the momentum, I think, is growing substantially. And so I heard that Ken Nagao gave a great presentation and some of the Save J group. What happened out there with that? Well, I think they just you know, showed that their data for in-hospital and for out-of-hospital cardiac arrest, and they're getting uh, you know, significant you know, return of circulation and uh, good survivors. So it's just impressive data. And they've got a lot of data. They've got a lot of patients lot that of they've done. Very cool. And then, Jim, you gave one of the big talks also on the SAP catheter in Reboa. Remind us again what's going on with SAP and what's going on with Reboa in 2016. Well, I guess the major things that's happened with, uh, with say, Reboa is that there's continuing uh, clinical use of it. A new report came out in the Journal of Trauma two months ago with updated experience from Maryland Shock Trauma Center and University of Texas Houston collaboration. And also, the just within the last month, ER Reboa catheter that prior medical has been developing has been FDA approved. So it's now going to be commercially available, and it's a it's a you know smaller catheter than the ones people have been just using for that purpose. So there's going to be a commercially available catheter now specifically for Reboa. Yeah, so Prior, Prior Medical is going to be coming out to reanimate in, in February. We're going to be using their catheters. It's going to be fantastic. The idea here is this is a seven French, I believe, seven French catheter that you can use. Okay, well, I think we'll actually fit through a seven French introducer. That's my understanding. Um, but I, I mean, don't quote me on, for sure on the specs, but that was my understanding is they were going to, they had it down to where it may actually be about six French size or, or six, six and a half French size. But I think you're supposed to be able to insert it through a seven French introducer. Which is absolutely amazing. And maybe one of the biggest take-homes from this, or at least what they're selling it as, is that you do not need a CT surgeon to close the wound once you're done with this. Yeah, well, if you can, if you can, if you can actually you know, get the, the, uh, the introducer size down to seven French or less, then, yeah, I mean, it, it wouldn't really require um, um, you know, um, vascular closure. And then for us, it's just the ease of entry. Emergency physicians doing Reboa on all kinds of cases. We're looking at trauma, but we've also thought about other possibilities, such as the ectopic or the ovarian cyst that's bleeding. And then the up-and-coming idea of whether we want to be stabilizing exsanguinating AAAs in the ER with some of these catheters. I mean, theoretically, any... any any uncontrolled hemorrhage below the level of the diaphragm would be reasonable. It would be reasonable to consider Reboa in those instances, whether it's a, you know, like say a triple A catastrophic uterine hemorrhage or, you know, you know, 
obstetrical disaster. Any of those are potential, you know, indications for Reboa if you need hemorrhage control. Awesome. And then SAP catheter. What's going on? You guys are doing experiments on that today? Uh-huh. Yes, we're working on that today. Two protocols so far. We're about to start the third. First, first protocol was a total of a 13-minute cardiac arrest that we resuscitated with SAP using a hemoglobin-based oxygen carrier. And we got return of circulation in about three minutes and um, stabilized. We then did a second arrest and just used autologous blood for the second arrest. Actually, second arrest was 20 minutes. VF with no CPR. Got him back in about two to three minutes. And um, now we're about to do the third, which we're going to resuscitate purely with VA ECMO. Awesome. Now remind us, tell us about SAP. What, what are you doing with that? Well, this study right now is in a medical arrest. We've been focusing a lot of attention on trauma arrest indications work that's going on uh, with the U.S. Air Force and lab in San Antonio. And, uh, some of that work, uh, one of the major studies was actually just presented at the Military Health Services research symposium back in August. We had a, a, a UK uh, registrar, senior registrar at the end of his training working on his PhD, who was the PI work, sort of working on the grant or the principal you know, person doing the study. Um, PI was James Ross out of the, uh, the, at US Air Force. And um, had a wonderful presentation at MHSRS. I'll just, it was Dr. Edward Bernard, and I, I shout out to him that he got first place in Young Investigator competition of 100, 187 abstracts, and he took first place. So, uh, and wow. where we're doing with trauma is we're at least looking toward possibly the, you know, looking at the, talking with the Royal London Hospital and Karen Brohe and London Air Ambulance and looking at the possibility of trying to move toward a clinical trial there. And that's in the early stages, so have to stay tuned for that one. All right, just as a reminder to our listeners, SAP catheter, it's got some similarities to Reboa. It's a catheter that goes up the femoral artery. You blow up a balloon, but the difference is that in this area, you can actually instill. Jim, Jim is talking about different types of things that you can instill, but things that you can infuse into the body, intra-arrest to potentially increase your chance of return of spontaneous circulations, some sort of oxygen carrier being used in the trauma setting, but also we're thinking about in the medical setting. Not FDA approved in U.S. yet, but we are getting close. Is that right, Jim? Well, the FDA application and stuff like that is probably a, a little ways off still, but um, we're looking at uh, at least an initial clinical trial and have that uh, data hopefully support an application. So it's still a little ways off. I mean, Reboa is actually there. It's out there. You can use it in the present day. Hopefully, selective aortic arch perfusion will be coming along in another year or two with uh, some you know, added capability if, um, if, if uh, you have a cardiac arrest. Awesome. Awesome. And so Jim Manning, we're hoping to have him out for reanimate number two next September. For all of you that didn't get to be a part of reanimate in February, um, we are having the second one where we will be training people on Reboa and ECMO September in San Diego. Come on out. All right, Jim, thanks for being here, man. It's just so good to hear your voice. Lionel, how are you? Fine, and you? I am doing fantastic. Now, I heard you had some incredible data to present at AHA. How'd that go? Uh, we have some new data we have present to the AHA Congress. We have tried a new strategy for uh, cardiac arrest, a more aggressive strategy for ECMO now. More aggressive strategy for ECMO? Is that what you said? Yes. And tell me what. Tell me about that. What's, what's the most more aggressive strategy? The most uh, aggressive strategy is uh, now, as you know, we send the ECMO mobile team on scene, uh, as previously described. But now this team was sent at the start of the call to the dispatch center. That means we win a lot of time. And the goal now is to be less than 60 minutes on uh, ECMO for each cardiac arrest we select. 
So previously, just repeat that again. Previously, you had to wait how long before you were going to the arrest? Uh, previously, we were waiting 10 minutes of advanced life support by mobile ICU. That means, you know, we are a little bit late after cardiac arrest. A lot of time we are with uh, 40 minutes after the cardiac arrest or 15, one hour after cardiac arrest. But now you're down to how much time? Now, a lot of time. Uh, the goal is to be on scene at 20 minutes after cardiac arrest. So the, air, the way that this system works in France is they've got a two-ambulance system. Each ambulance has a physician that goes to this cardiac arrest, but they send a separate specialized system that holds the ECMO machine, the ECMO personnel, all the people that, to make this happen. And so at before, they were waiting a bit of time before they went to the cardiac arrest, and now you're driving right to the scene and trying to get them at least starting to be cannulated at less than 20 minutes. Is that correct? Correct. Uh, what we're doing for cardiac arrest today, we send in the same time one unit of basic life support with AED, one mobile ICU, and the ECMO team. And then so with that protocol, what kind of results are you getting? Uh, we have an increase of survival rate, a major increase, because now we have 30% of survivor CPC 1 or 2 at the discharge of the ICU. That's absolutely incredible. Just presented AHA 30% out of hospital arrest survivorship when you have pre-hospital ECMO. Now, this is up from a percent of what prior? Uh, we, we have not, uh, just, it's not for all patients, it's not uh, pre-hospital ECMO, can be in hospital ECMO, but this is in the same program. That means when we receive the call, we decide very shortly if the patient can reach the hospital very shortly, like uh, the cardiac arrest is done in, in ambulance, for example, it's more easy to go to the hospital than waiting the ECMO uh, mobile team. Uh, but this is a global strategy. Um, the previous groups, when we leave uh, after 10 minutes of advanced life support, uh, we have a nine, eight to 9% of survival. So this, I mean, just shows the importance of 10 minutes. I mean, by decreasing your length of stay or your, your time to getting to the scene by 10 minutes, you're having a substantial increase in your survivorship. Is that a correct statement? Yeah. We, 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 when you win some time, we, you win some life, for sure, for ECMO. Cool. Any new updates as well as far as technique or ways that you're implementing this? I know you have this modified cutdown system that we've really been interested in. Uh, with this system, now we are in meantime in session at 17 minutes. Uh, that means it's very short for emergency physician or intensivist. But uh, this is a global strategy. Uh, we win some time, but we have, for example, more criteria to select the patient. And uh, we block the epinephrine max to 5 milligrams, for example. Oh, you're, so you're limiting the dose of epinephrine or you're selecting patients based on, tell us the criteria. What's the exact criteria that you are using now in 2015? We're using um, people less than 75 years old uh, and heavy with no flow less than five minutes or sign of life like breathing, movement or something else or intoxication or hypothermia and uh, NTDL CO2 above 10 centimeter. Oh, end tidal CO2 is above 10. Oh, okay. So you guys now did five minutes 
of CPR. If they have intoxication, then that is a rule in or a rule out. Uh, yes. It's a rule in. Intoxications in the hypothermic patients are usually ruled in um, pretty easily, but the, 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 the five minutes is actually the no flow has to be uh, strictly below five minutes. All right, introducing Alice. Alice, can you just sum this up again? So we've got a, a indications for ECMO that you're doing in Paris. What are they? Well, they're um, medical cardiac arrests with a, a very um, short no-flow that has to be um, less than five minutes um, or intoxicated patients or hypothermic patients. Patients are reanimated by the MICU team um, on the scene um, and ECMO team is um, dispatched very early now, so they usually start cannulating the patient um, after ten after twenty minutes of low flow. All right, cool. And then anything else? What else is new out in Paris as far as ECMO? Um, well, we're doing some research as well. Um, um, we tried to put up a protocol for. Um, uh, ischemic uh, cardiac arrest. So we have a model now that's set up and we're doing um, ECMO to the animals. And what are your results? Um, well, we're almost finishing now, so I can't really give you um, okay. much of the results, but we will soon. Very nice. All right, well, we'll be looking forward to animal studies as well out of Paris. All right, let's sum up what we heard today. We heard from Jim Manning talking about sap catheter, intraaortic arch perfusion of a substrate to try and bring back spontaneous circulation without the need for a venous catheter. We talked about Reboa. We talked about this new device made by Pryor, seven French catheter inserted by emergency physicians and intensivists in patients that have lower body exsanguination. We're talking about triple A's. We're talking about trauma. We're talking about ovarian cysts and maybe even the ectopic. And finally, we got to hear from Lionel Lamho from Paris, France. We're talking about pre-hospital ECMO. Alice Hooten gave us some indications here about what they're doing. The interesting thing I find here, and we're going to have to explore this more on future episodes, is they're using intoxication as one as their inclusion criteria. That's a little bit different from us. They're also using hypothermia, and they've got a lower no-flow state. So they're allowing less time of no-flow. We usually say 10 minutes of no chest compressions. They're saying five minutes or less, and it's game off. We're not going to do ECMO on those patients. All interesting stuff. Lionel, Jim, thank you so much. Alice, we will look forward to talking to you guys again. Bye.